Welcome to Hello Universe, a podcast about spirituality in our everyday lives. We're your co-hosts, Kylie and Eva. Hey, it's Kylie. And it's Eva. Welcome back to another episode. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm getting better at the sound. Yeah, we're getting really awesome at sound effects, mm-hmm. yep. guys. This is actually a sound effects podcast now. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, it may not be a podcast about sound effects, but it is. We are in the middle of our Earth series. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't yet caught up, we are um, doing series this year. So we're going to kind of pick a topic. We did one unofficially around manifestation last year, and it was really, really fun. And even I learned a lot from layering in lots of guests on the same topic. So um, we're going to be rolling out these series throughout 2021. This is our homage to Mama Earth. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think what's so fun about this is we, I, we've, we've picked topics that we're interested in and Earth was kind of like on the top of that list because I think there's such a direct correlation between Earth mother nature's and our spiritual well-being and our spiritual wellness. So, and I, I think well, I'm sure I speak, probably speak for both of us. Like mother nature is such, such a big deal to each of us. And we're already learning so much. Oh my gosh. And this episode, we're going to, we're going to have a few things to talk about before we get to this interview, but this episode, like it was everything that I hoped that I would hope for in a podcast episode. Like I, you know, I, I just, I felt so excited and invigorated and, um, I learned so much, right? We'll, we'll get into it more in a minute, but I just, this is a perfect example of everything that you should, would want in a podcast. So yeah. you're going to love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. But, but before, before we, we get dive to there, in, yeah. <laughs> What's up, oh, Kylie? Oh, can I share my earth related story? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to share. Okay. Mm-hmm. Which is just that, uh, I'm visiting my parents in Maine right now. And, uh, it's basically been earth week because they live kind of in the middle of nowhere. And we've taken my kids one after another to meet all of these different animals. And my kids are just like beyond excited. And it's the cutest thing in the world. So like birdie met a horse for the first time and like just lost her damn mind. (laughs) Uh, we met baby goats and the people who had baby goats gave my kids this giant tub of animal crackers. So my kids were like, eating animal crackers and then eating the animal crackers of the baby goats oh, my kids so nice. chickens and fed the chickens and collected eggs and then today we went to an alpaca farm like it has been like the mama earth week of animal kingdom mm-hmm. farmyard bliss. and i think that's so important for children to be able to have the opportunity to be able to connect with animals in this way Oh my God. And it's been like, just so fun to just watch. Like literally my daughter is so, I don't know how to describe, but she's just such like an animal person mm-hmm. that at one point legit four alpacas were lined up behind her, just <laughs> following her around the barnyard. And That's she was just so like, tripping. and they came up and they're like bopping her on the nose with kisses. I mean, it was unreal. Oh my God. It's probably part of part of her psychic powers too. I think, I think so. <laughs> but also she there's, just, yeah, there's like a, a, I think animals, like if you think Kids love animals and animals love kids. Yeah. There's a thing going on there. Um, probably cause we're all, yeah, they're like more spiritual than the, than like the adult version of us. Exactly. Um, I love that. Okay. So wait, sorry. A quick plug. If you love animals 
and you haven't already heard, the first podcast in our Earth series was all about animal wisdom, connecting with animals, animal ancestry. So you can check that out. I think that was two weeks ago. Yeah. So go check that out. Also, Janie, go listen. Mm -hmm. And then come listen to this one where you'll learn about how to keep them safe with joy. Well, yeah, with with climate optimism. Okay, wait, so wait. I'm like so excited to jump into that that I keep forgetting we have things that we want to promote. So Kylie. What's going on for you? You go first. Okay. um, So, oh, I'm really excited actually. So I don't think I've mentioned it on the podcast yet. I am currently working on my new offering, which is all about healing your relationship with productivity so that you can actually get into flow and actually be more productive. Because ironically enough, when we are in that squeezed, clenched, scarcity, stressed out mode, as many of you probably already know, that's actually when we're the least effective and it's not sustainable and we're totally freaked out. And I started working on it. And we feel trapped because we keep thinking that the only way out is to keep like grinding away, which makes us diminishing returns. Being on that hamster wheel. And I just like, oh God. So not to toot my own horn, but I was working on it last week and the shit was just like flowing through me. Oh, (laughs) way. I just know this stuff like the back of my fucking hand because this is firsthand experience. It's also then things that I've worked with so on with with so many clients because it time scarcity, to-do list obsession, needing to be productive. That's so much of where a lot of our wounding is, at least for the women who tend to come to me, they're women who are like ambitious and they're hardworking and they have big dreams, but they think they need to hustle and grind to get there. And I know that story very, very well. So anyway, I was recording these modules and I was just like, this shit is so good and so important. And I think that there's just so many people out there who I think would be able to benefit from this. Cause again, I can't stress enough that like I've had a really tumultuous relationship with my own sense of time, productivity, self-worth that comes with that. And also running your own business as anyone who runs your own business knows, like will kick your ass into like needing to learn how to get things done without losing your mind. Like I just, you know, I started losing my mind when I first started this business and I've just, I guess through the past four or five years have learned that I don't want to sacrifice myself anymore, but like, I still need to run my business. So how do I do that? And so all of this stuff is going to be distilled into the program where again, I don't want to stress you can, you can have a healthy relationship with productivity. Like productivity is not a bad word. I want you to know that you can have fun doing what you love and also you can slow down and still be in flow. There's like a magical sweet, sweet spot that I want for everybody. So look out for that. That's going to be coming out. In a I few cannot weeks. wait for this. Like this also, it just feels like such a perfect example of your medicine, which is like taking these like lofty ideas, which is like having a balanced life and making them deeply practical and accessible. It's also the most Capricorn thing in the universe <laughs> to like make a pro course. That's like how to like hack productivity for your, totally, <laughs> you know, totally. Um, and, uh, I mean, I just, as we've talked about on the show, like, I just can relate to this so deeply mm-hmm. that like the addiction of like, of the hustle and the grind and how much it doesn't serve us, but all how much it can feel like, not an option to do anything else and so um I just I just know how like mm, I can just like 
feel <laughs> into how amazing and magical and transformational this is going to be. And I can't wait because I think it's medicine we literally all need. Oh, thanks, Kylie. Yeah, I think medicine yeah. is a good word because I, I again, I'll, I'll be talking about this more, but there's something about the type of stuff that I'm like bringing forth and transmitting that feels deeply nourishing. Like, I think this is like, it's, you're going to listen to these things and your soul will be soothed because you're going to be able to remember that you're safe and that you're worthy and come back to that remembering of like, everything is going to work out perfectly. And when you get into that space, you can show up so much more fully for all the people in your life in this like really beautiful way. So yeah, I'm really excited about it. So anyway, um, that's going to be coming out soon. And if you join my email list, you can find that if you like go into my Instagram, click on the bio, you can join my email list. And that's where I'm going to be signing, sharing all like the, um, early bird discounts and all that stuff. And my Instagram is bad bitch living. Also, also, yeah, my one-on-one, my one-on-one is the way that I like to work with people the most. So if you're interested in learning about that, you can also sign up for a free consultation call also on Instagram. All right. Yay. I can't wait about this course. Me too. What about you, Kylie? What would you like to share with our community today? I am so happy. Beyond the Veil of the Akashic Records is live now. Doors are open. And this is just like, it's hard to even describe, describe, but it just is like the project I am I'm just so excited about this. I feel almost like little kid enthusiasm for how exciting it feels. So this is a program that's looking at the Akashic Records and all the different ways you can use the Akashic Records for healing, for wisdom, for transformation for yourself, or if you you know work with um, clients, because my friend Jesse and I, who put this program together, you know, recognize that you're really accessing, I'm just getting, I'm sorry, I'm tongue tied because I'm so excited. (laughs) I know, I know how that feels 100%. Um, Look, if you work with the Akashic Records, we talk a lot about how the records are like Google for the soul and it's a place for information and all of that is true and very valuable. And when I first went into the records for a look, a year for myself, I would just be like, what do I do next? Okay. What do I do next? Okay, guys, what do I do next? Right? Like I just needed that knowledge, but the truth is it's, it's much broader than that. And we do ourselves a disservice when we only think of the records as a place for readings and information. And so this program actually brings together seven different instructors, all of whom work in the records, all of whom work in the records differently so that you can actually learn. Each instructor will share some of how they work in the record. So when Elsa, one of our you know guests we were just talking about earlier, is one of the mentors, and she's going to teach you how to connect with animals in the Akashic Records and how to use that for healing. And other, other people were going to teach you how to heal the karma of hundreds of lifetimes in a single session. And other people are going to talk, walk you through inner child healing and soul retrieval and deep energy work. So you'll learn these very tangible skills as an Akashic Records practitioner, and you will learn them from different people with the hope that this will in, um, kind of ground us in the realization that all of us have a different signature in the work that we do. And so there's no one way you should work. There's no one thing you should do. But our hope is, because sometimes I think unintentionally, 
when there's one instructor for something, especially something kind of mystical or intuitive based, it can create this idea of like the guru or the expert, and it can create this hierarchy, even though no one is intending yeah, that to happen. Yeah. Pedestaling and, is I think a good word yeah, for it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so our hope is that by having a bunch of instructors, all of whom are students when they're not the teacher, mm-hmm. it will reinforce this idea that like, we're all we're all being called to be leaders and also we're all learning and your the answer for you is your own path mm-hmm. but in it being exposed to lots of different ways of working in the records our hope is that that clarity so it's about sovereignty it's about personal healing it's about deepening your work I kind of think of it as like continuing education credits for Akashic Records mm-hmm. professionals um and it's going to be amazing. So you can go to my website, kyliecaldwell.com. It's right on the homepage. Or you can go to um, beyondakashicveil.com to learn about the program. Sign up. Early bird ends May 16th. So to it. Yeah. Wait, early bird. And, okay. Yeah. So that's like another week for the early bird. Yeah. Can I just say one thing about this um, course that is that I love because I think it's so you is that you're taking two of the things that two things that you love the most, which is like the Akashic records and also community. (laughs) Like of of course you would create, I could totally see how this was born almost like it was inevitable. It was going to happen because Mm -hmm. these are two things that you really value. And so now you've just created this thing, which I feel like I haven't really seen anywhere else. I feel like so that in itself is already really cool. But I also love the idea of like, yes, you can learn how to use the Akashic Records in all these different ways. And that's kind of cool. But also I think it'll, if I, if it were me, you know, as someone who's like also like still learning, it's like, it'll help me clarify, not that I need to use them in all these different ways, but something, one thing might stand out more than the rest. And then I'll get a better understanding of like, oh, that is what really resonates with me. And I can, I can like go deeper into that. Cause now you'll have like yes. more information. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not about using yes, all of it. It's exactly. about clarifying what resonates with you the most. Right. And it's entirely possible that what resonates with you will actually be entirely your own thing, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of something totally brand new that will, you'll now have context for. And so um, it's really about, yeah, understanding your own signature of work in concert with the work that you know those around you are doing yeah yeah awesome yeah. cool 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 yeah yeah so i cannot cannot wait uh to your point i have not come across anyone teaching um teaching in this way so i'm so really excited about that yeah part. awesome yeah. all right are we ready to introduce today's guest Okay, so cool. uh, Andrew is calls herself a climate optimist. And I just love this phrase is as soon as I heard it, I just was like, yes, I have a thousand questions and I cannot wait to talk to this person. Because I think for a lot of us, when we start paying attention to the state of the environment, it just fills us with dread, right? We just feel like overwhelmed, defeated. We So we either choose kind of denial or cynicism and neither of those are helpful and neither of those move forward, but also it often feels like, well, I don't, I don't know another option. Right. Mm -hmm. And I love 
this just like so much medicine to what Antrees is offering because she's putting forward this middle path, this climate optimism that's about like awareness, pay attention, and also pay attention to a place of power and empowerment and hope. And, and that's where the magic happens. And it's deeply realistic, right? It's not Pollyannish. It's not denial-based, but also it's really contagious i think by the end of it you and i were really feeling like uh, like there's possibility like possibility yeah so i mean honestly you can tell just by the fact that she calls herself the client optimist like she knows exactly where the problem is because she's speaking directly to an issue like the reason she's calling herself that is because it's already pervasive how overwhelmed people get and how hopeless and or either um controlling I think some people mm-hmm. or like worried people can get and so I think in this episode again again go, coming back to earth this was also very intentional the earth series like Kylie and I want to talk to someone about conservation right because I think that is a huge spiritual practice for a lot of us wanting to be more intentional about how we are living in community like with the earth mm-hmm. um yeah and she I don't know. She debunked a bunch of things for me anyway, which was helpful. And then she opened up and then we had this like wonderful first half, this wonderful like conversation from a spiritual standpoint about what it means to be optimistic about the climate. And then, and then she lays it down with just like the practicality about like, these are actually things that you can do. So that matter and have an impact and are accessible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's why I think Kylie said, like, this is everything that we wanted the podcast to be, because as you know, like we love podcasts that can like take it to like the higher realms of spirituality and then bring it back down to earth where we're talking about, but okay, we're humans. So like, how can we do this in a realistic way? Yeah. And before you read her official bio, I will also add that she has a, um, a eight week masterclass that begins, uh, I think May 26th. So, um, if you are called, if you're listening to this and it's really resonating with you, which I think oh, it a lot of people, I would highly recommend that you check out her program. It sounds amazing. She talks about it a little bit at the very end. Um, so I just wanted to give a shout out here at the top of the show that uh, she has that coming up in the very near future. Yeah. All right. And so with that, I'm just going to read her very short bio. Um, so Anne Therese Gennari is a speaker, educator, and self-proclaimed climate optimist. She helps shift the narrative around climate conversations so that we can act from curiosity and courage, not fear. Mm, yeah. Boom. Kind of sums it all up. <laughs> Please message us or or like write on Instagram and tag us or whatnot about like your takeaway and what I feel like people are going to listen to this and there's going to be a thing that you're going to walk away saying, oh, I can do this one thing differently. And I would just love to hear that and Mm -hmm. kind of create a little bit of a conversation so we can, I don't know, be both accountable and optimistic together. Yeah. And also we just love hearing from you anytime. So (laughs) very true. It's like our favorite thing. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Enjoy. And Therese, we are so excited to have you here. Welcome. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you. (laughs) So, all right, Eve and I are both have, I think, a thousand questions or maybe just the same question that's really big. But before we get to those, uh, I want to know for you, what is spirituality and how does it show up in your everyday life? This is such a big question. And I had to like really just sit with it before we started to like download like what is spirituality. And the thing that came to me was just the simplicity of like 
there is something else. And Mm. I really trust that I don't always know everything. And I try to practice more and more of just tuning into like, what's my heart telling me? What's, what's like my gut reaction to this? What's my intuition telling me? And I really trust that the the moment I started believing in what I call magic, because I don't have a better word for it. My life got gained so much meaning and value. And it's just, I don't know, it's easier somehow. And I feel like I owe so much of my success from trusting that. So spirituality to me is more so than just thinking there's something out there in the bigger universe. It's like what's inside of me that I'm not paying attention to um, Mm -hmm. and that I'm not taught to pay attention to because it's not how society is run. So it's about everything from just slowing down and really, you know, smelling your coffee in the morning and like the senses that come from that. And it's about, you know, the synchronicity that happens when you run into someone and that someone leads you to something and like everything, it's literally the magic of life. I think that's the best way to describe it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love this answer. Yeah. I actually think, so we pull a quote from every episode to share. And I, I think maybe we might already have your quote, which is this idea of like, once I started believing in magic, like my life got better, like things really changed. And I think I love that because it's a helpful reminder for me as well, because I think for me, my journey is always like, I really believe in the magic. And then sometimes I forget and then I come Mm -hmm. back and then I forget. I think that's like Mm -hmm. the journey for so many of us. So um, I just, I I really loved hearing that today. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm curious to know what your journey was to ending up at a place where you believed in magic. Um, You know, I owe it a lot to my mother because she started that journey when I was in my mid teens and she brought Mm -hmm. me into it. Um, I think the first time I really experienced anything like that was she just randomly bought me a reading at this fair once. (laughs) And I remember this lady was like telling me things about myself. I barely even knew myself, but I'm like, she's so right. Like, I cannot know, like, I can't believe she knows all this stuff about me. And that shook my world in so many ways. Um, And yeah, I have me and my mother just started to really like, like read some books. I can't remember exactly. I think I read the secret. (laughs) (laughs) I Um, I didn't read the secret. I read that too. Yeah. (laughs) And it was just that I'm like, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm more than just this. I can be my thoughts. And I mean, to be completely honest, after reading that, it took me down the, like not the completely wrong path, but I, I, I thought that, you know, I'm in control of everything. I can create my own happiness. So it's my fault if I'm not happy. And so it way too far in that end. Um, and I developed very unhealthy habits and thinking patterns from that. So it's taking me like, you know, a bumpy road to get to the place I am today where like, there's more to it than just, I can show up right now and be happy because, you know, you have to also be in tune with your feelings because they're part of you. And, you know, that's, there's a depth, depth to it that you cannot ignore. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, the journey really started in my early teens because my mother was into it. And I, I felt like as soon as I even just dipped my toes in that water, there was something that I was so intrigued by and I couldn't mm. wait to like discover what that was. So. Yeah. It was like calling your name. <laughs> yeah. I was like drawn into it. I'm like, yeah. I want to dive in. Yeah. I'm so happy you mentioned that the, the swing to the opposite end of the pendulum though, because I think um, that's a lot of people's journey and that's where people get, it gets distorted when people misinterpret what it means to like, you know, be your thoughts, we become controlling and we think and it can, it can be really unhealthy. So I think you really just nailed it on the head. And I I also think it reinforces this, like if we're conditioned to think that we have to do it all alone and then we learn about manifestation, we're like, oh, okay, I just have to do this all alone, Mm -hmm. right? It's it's just another, it's like all of our 
weird, we are separate beliefs kind of just get mapped onto this new framework. Whereas obviously the universe taking care of us is supposed to be about us, like, you know, living in concert and like, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Being connected to source as opposed to controlling it, as you put it. And that's a hard place to arrive at. (laughs) Yeah, because we feel like we feel like we want to be in control, you know? And so the scary part is letting go of control. So this is another tool in your toolbox to be in control of something else of your life. And yeah. 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 Okay. So we could talk about this for a while, but I just, <laughs> me personally, completely for selfish reasons, I really want to start talking about your role as the climate optimist, which by the way, I can, I love, I love this phrase so much. Cause I think it's like the medicine that so many people need because you're already speaking to, I think what, what my, how I perceive this is the greatest obstacle that we, that so many of us come into contact with when we start thinking about how can I make a positive difference in the world, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Immediately it's like overwhelm or I can't do anything or, mm-hmm. or actually even going back to this conversation we were just having about control. I know in the past, because I have this sort of all in personality, I've also done like audits of my house where I'm like, I'm just going to get rid of everything. That's like not good for the environment. And I'm going to like, it, it, it can, you can swing too far in that one what lane, you know what I mean? Where you are trying to control everything and then it becomes more of a, yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. And it's also just unsustainable to be, I think that, um, I think I really want to, I believe, and I think, you know, I've experienced now that you can be in balance. You don't have to be overly obsessive either. Um, anyway, I'm sure you can talk about all of this more than I can, but I guess, yeah, I don't, I don't even know. Where do we even want to start in terms of like, maybe you can tell people what it is that you do and a little def- bit about your work. And define, maybe to define this term climate optimist, because that's also something that instantly I thought, oh, it spoke to, just to like piggyback back off of what Eva was saying, it spoke to this fear that I have, this existential dread that sets in the second I start to think about, you know, this has shifted for me over the past year or so, but for a long time, I was like, I can't even look because it's so bleak and I have so, I have no power. And so it's just like varying shades of pessimism (laughs) and, and, and fear. And so for, for your, there's something so much, there's so much empowerment in this phrase, climate optimist. So yeah, if you could explain what you mean by that and talk a little bit about your work as an entry point into the popcorn of questions we're going to send your way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think both of you just laid it up so great for me because that's exactly the place I was starting from. And to, to start by just defining the concept, climate optimism means in my world to change the narrative around climate change so that we can start acting from courage and and excitement and, and optimism over fear because and I've nerded out so much on this topic. I've read multiple books on like change and psychology and how that ties into climate change, even like what's actually happening when we're talking about these things. And studies have shown that the more we learn about climate change, the less we do about, about mm-hmm. it. So it's like, okay, we really need for people to wake up and like get to action here. Like we need change, but how we're talking about it, how we're framing the message, um, how we even think about it, it's so disempowering that we actually end up being paralyzed. You know, yeah. it's like, mm-hmm. I, I, I usually, I use this analogy of like, you can ask people to panic, but 
and we will they will you know just like chickens will run around and be like oh my god oh my god what do we do and then it's like there's no more i can go because it's like i'm in this coop and i can't escape and okay i'm just gonna dig my head out and stay here and deny that things are going on so like that's what's going on right now people are stuck in denial and we're not to blame for that because on a psychological level it's just a sense of defense you know it's like it's impossible to stay on that level of awareness without having something like clear directions on what to do with it because there are a few things that happen actually first of all it's like that pent up energy and anxiety we turn it inwards and we think we're just you know shoving it off our shoulders but it stays with us and it grows and grows and then that develops into anxiety and depression and eco anxiety and climate anxiety is actually a real thing especially young among younger people today so that's really sad in itself mm-hmm. and what happens when people get anxious and depressed they shut down they don't engage you know they become just kind of like shells of themselves so I think it's essential that we start reframing you know the language and how we talk about climate change and how we look on it because the only way we've talked about climate change so far and it's with good intention you know it's like we need to make the people aware of what's going on we have to tell everyone like unless we do something in you know in seven to eight years this is going to be a disastrous you know event and we're going to reach this level of you know um of climate um of degree and in, in, in climate rights, whatever. I'm not finding the words right now. But like, you know, if we don't do anything, there will be all these disastrous events, like the oceans will rise and will, you know, flood out complete cities and islands and all these things. And and that's terrifying. But the thing is, I and I call it there, you know, I call it fear-based change. We're trying to trigger change from getting people afraid. Mm-hmm. But the only way that can work is if A, it feels very close and personal right now. And for most people, Climate change feels very distant, both in time and space. So like it's going to happen in the future, it's happening to other parts of the world, it's happening to polar bears. And and although, of course, you care about other parts of the world, you, ca- you care about the future, it's just not as urgent where you are going to like, you know, pack up and go. It's not happening right now. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, you need very clear directions on what to do. So like, okay, be afraid and then do this to avoid whatever is going on. And with climate change, we don't really have that. It's like, okay, we need to drive less. We need to eat less meat. We need to skip plastic, all these things. But it's not like one clear ask on what can we do right now to fix this because there is no one clear ask. Mm. Um, so, so we have to think about like, how are we talking about climate change? And many times it's also in a lang- language of doom and gloom. So we feel like we're going to miss out. You know, we have to cut down. We have to do less. We have to sacrifice everything we love. And that's not really sparking any action. So, and then there's the dissonance of like, well, I want to change, but you know, we live in an imperfect world right now. The society is not set up for us to be perfect. It's literally impossible. And so the reward for it isn't there either. Um, And then we're social Mm -hmm. creatures. So we look around for identity, like who am I in this place? And so far it's really hard to identify with someone who is a climate optimist or doing the right thing. Because again, it's not the the world that we live in and that we see all the time. Um, And so climate optimists, this is a very long-rounded answer to this this is so (laughs) helpful i'm like yes 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 because i'm even thinking you're saying like it's hard to we're social creatures and we want to identify and it's like yeah the the image that we have is the person who so i'm up in maine right now visiting my family and they have this like their town is so cool and there's like a co-op and people like people in Maine love to like grow their own fruits and vegetables and everybody has chickens like at least their little pocket their little social network and I'm like oh my god this is like we're living off the land people are bringing their usual bags to the co-op and the co-op is full of like it's this teeny tiny little like cluster 
and also completely unattainable to those of us who don't happen to live in this like very specific geographic location with a certain kind of economic resource and land mm-hmm. access, right? Like it's- Yeah, so it's, you have to uh, totally change your life. This idea of like, if I want to live that way, I can't live, I have to change up, get up and change my world. And that again, just adds to this sense of overwhelm. It's so interesting that you said this thing about identity or just that like, do I have to start wearing like Birkenstocks and like, okay, I love Birkenstocks. <laughs> I mean, I love Birkenstocks but, too, but, like, but do you have to, do you know what I mean? Right. It's like this idea, right. Like, do I have to drive a Subaru or yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Prius? Yeah. 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 Well, so, and it can also, by the way, totally, I understand we're talking about Maine because I live in Massachusetts right now with my husband and we have also the co-op, but like everything is in bulk, like from, you know, grains to, to spices and to coffee. And I, I love it. But then I am visiting my friend in LA right now. And it's like, it just doesn't exist. You know, it's like, there isn't even a bulk section. So for, for most of us, that's the reality. And I think it's so important that we remember that. Um, but, but, you know, to kind of wrap this up, what climate optimism is about it's actually a really deep question and I love to have it on this particular podcast because it is very spiritual to me. Um, and it's about opening up for the opportunity of something else. You know, it's like, we're trying so hard to force change to happen within the already existing system and world. And I don't think it's gonna happen. And I think what we really need is for people to feel okay about dreaming, about like expanding our vision. And, and another thing too about fear and anger, which is really good, like it's great energy to spark action because people really like, if you've ever been really angry, you know, you can only focus on one thing, you'll get that done. However, it creates a tunnel vision where you can't see outside the box. And so if we only focus on the issue at hand, like fueling our, our energy towards climate change, it's not gonna help it. What we need right now is to rethink everything, to build a new system, to create a new world, and how are we going to do that? Well, we have to like really sit and let our minds expand. And for that, we need optimism. It's like, it's that simple. It's like a chemical in your brain where like, you can't even get to that place if you're always afraid or like, you don't even, even want to talk about the topic. Or when you do talk about it, it's all this shame that gets infused into like, well, I'm not doing enough and he's not doing enough. And I'm going to get angry at the company that's not doing enough. And so we're just caught in this negative cycle where nothing happens. And so climate optimism is very much rooted in awareness because I'm not just sitting here thinking, oh, everything's great. Like, no, we have to come from a place of awareness, but then from that place, understanding that, okay, this isn't working. This is the future we don't want to happen. But what about the other future that I want to, that I want to pull closer? How do I envision that future? What do I actually believe is possible? And how can we create something even more beautiful than anything we've ever seen? You know, it's like something else is possible, but we have to get to the place first where we can even allow ourselves to feel that way. Um, and so I have all sorts of tools that you can do to actually start creating this because here we get to another word, which is optimism. Um, and I think people tend to feel like, okay, I choose to be optimistic. Like I'm going to be optimistic and this is who I am. And that's like who I want to be, but you can't just choose it because soon enough, you're going to have a bullshit detector. will tell you, you know, I don't think <laughs> you should be because I'm just going to turn on the news and all it says is like, you shouldn't be optimistic because we're growing down. And I think, for me, it's like you don't choose it, you actually create optimism. Um, it's a daily practice, just like working out, just like eating well. Um, you show up as the change you wish to see in the world, I call it to being an optimist in action. You know, how by showing up the, as the change you wanna see, however big or small that is that day, you start to, I mean, you start to produce all sorts of happiness hormones, which is dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, and, and, and endorphins, and that fuels just your feel good in your body. And, and as you're feeling better, you are creating optimism. And the more optimistic you are, you actually believe that something else is possible. So it's a beautiful cycle of like, you know, I show, I show up for this work, 
I'm creating the op optimism. And from that place of optimism, I can now expand my mind and think of something different. Okay, here's my question. And, and maybe you're starting to get at the answer, but can you walk people through how you hold awareness and optimism at the same time? Because I think for a lot of you, like uh, I've shared openly on the podcast that Donald Trump got elected and I had a brand new, like, you know, eight day old baby. And I was just like, nope, bye news. <laughs> like I can't, I can't handle postpartum depression, anxiety and pay attention to the news. And, and I, I think the way a lot of people, and I, I share that as an example, because I think for some people accessing um, the feeling good requires denial and avoidance. And I think that you're offering something new, which is awareness and optimism as partners. And so I think there's a, there's a paradigm shift that you're talking about that's different from denial, where at least I'm not full of existential dread or paying attention and crying myself to sleep about the polar bear. And, all, and, and, also, so, and also be, yeah, I'm being full of existential dread. And also full of, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right, right. And so, so how do you hold on to, how do you, how do you hold space for both? That's my question, I think. Awareness a, and optimism. Yeah, it's such a great question. And this is where it all shifted for me, honestly. It was like, like I felt like I was reborn when this kind of clicked inside me. Because um, I tried that for many years. We started the conversation that way, right? I'm like, no, I, I read the secret and now I can create my own happiness. You know, it's like, I just need to start producing this every single day. And it just wasn't working because there were days when I would crash and I would cry for half an hour. I had no reason, I didn't know why, right? So what landed with me, it's that awareness hurts, but that's okay. And I think it's that deeper understanding that it's okay to feel the pain. We have to feel the pain. Um, I think it's, I might misquote, I think it's Joanna Macy who says, you cannot heal what you cannot feel. So if we wanna heal, we gotta feel it first. And I think mother earth is asking us to feel her right now. Like she wants us to feel her pain because if we don't feel it, how are we ever gonna be able to heal it with her? If you think yeah. of a child who's sick, you're not gonna just be like, oh, sorry, I don't wanna acknowledge your pain. I'm gonna just leave you at the hospital bed and you can deal with yourself. No, you sit there every single day, you're there because you wanna be there and heal your child. And your heart can take that pain and, and we can take that pain. And it's, it's when you actually start to understand that you're stronger than you think, that it's okay to sit with those emotions. It's totally fine to cry about it. It's totally okay to be anxious about the world. I have those days a lot. I do a lot of healing journaling for that reason. You have to let those emotions go. But the, the, the shift happens when you, you, you get to a place where you understand, I don't have to hold on to it to make a difference. Mm -hmm. I don't have to be an angry activist. I don't have to stay afraid or stay angry or stay frustrated with the world to make a difference. I'm okay to feel that way because you know I'm entitled to, but I need to release it first. And like, yes, I, I agree with you. We tend to feel like, okay, if I'm just, I'm just gonna deny this. If I deny this, it's much easier to be optimistic. I can just live in this fairy world and everything's great. But your body remembers. And that's where anxiety comes from. That's why suddenly, and I've been there, I've, I've been in the car with my husband and suddenly I'm just banging the board and I'm like, I'm so angry. And he's like, what's going on? And I'm like, I don't know why, but I need to cry. And I'm just going into this crazy moment of like tears and, and I get just so much anger that I've been bottling, bottling up for so long that it just wants to come out. So like trying to deny it, it's not the answer because it is, you still remember, um, although you're not consciously thinking about it. So. For me, the, the way awareness and optimism go hand in hand is by 
telling yourself it's, it's okay to feel the pain, but then you turn it into something empowering. Um, and that's when that it's from that place of accepting and, and, and empowering an empowerment where optimism can actually grow. So it's a different kind of optimism. It's the kind of optimism that you believe in because you, you are very, you know, you're here, you're in it, you know, and still you're choosing to be optimistic. And I think that's also where the real change happens. One of the things that I'm hearing you say that's really landing for me is this idea, is this lesson that I find myself learning often, but that witnessing doesn't require holding on. So like in your explanation of like witnessing the suffering of the earth right now and like seeing that with love and compassion, but then also letting it go. So when we, you know, if I'm hearing you right, you're talking about how when we hold our arm, hold our arms out straight and say like, no, I don't want to look, we're actually still absorbing that, but it's staying stuck. Mm-hmm. And when we kind of let it wash over us and use it to make us kind of angry to create action obviously it's stuck and it's interesting because I actually teach about this a lot in relation to to the you know uh, personal patterns this idea of like if you over identify with something or you or you reject it either way you're not actually integrating it so I feel like what I'm hearing you say it's just like all clicking together because I'm like oh duh like this is what I teach (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and yet seems completely inaccessible. I mean, this is why we teach the thing we do because it's what we're learning. But uh, that this third option is to to witness and integrate and part of integrating is actually letting go. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that, did I jumble the words or does that kind of get at what no, you No, that's were... great. Thank you for explaining what I just said. <laughs> I'm sure, like, I know what I want to say here, but I don't have the, you know, yeah, that's great. That's exactly uh, what I'm trying to say. And it's been revolutionary to me because- I don't have to be one or the other. And, and that's why when people ask me like, are oh, you a climate optimist? I'm like, yeah, damn, I am. You know, is there an option? I don't want to be like, if I don't believe in a better future, like, why are we here? And that's something yeah. too, I really want to amplify. I, I, I mean, I don't think we're born today. Just be like, oh, sorry guys, this is like final hour and you're screwed. You know, like you're just going to sit here and watch doomsday happen. I don't, I, I refuse to feel that way. So I think landing in this, like understanding that we are here for a reason. Like we are here to be heroes. Like we are here to witness one of the most like incredible shifts in human history, probably. Like we are here to do something that no one else has ever done. Like this is bigger than anything that's ever happened throughout human Mm -hmm. history. And we get to do that together. Like it's a huge challenge, but I think the coolest part is that we can come together, not just, you know, as a country or as a specific people in a country. It's like, no, the whole world gets to come together and do this and figure this out. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to like paint over the, the pain that's going to come with this. This is a really tough time to be alive, but it also comes with a lot of opportunity of growth. And, and I think, yeah, I know where I'm going with this. <laughs> well, I, I, I also hear you say like, this is the, this is always the crossroads. I, I would say, um, as someone who thinks about living in the present moment a lot, it's like, there's always a choice. We're always at a crossroads and you can always choose. Uh, but I hear you talking about it, like on a grander scale, like humanity as a whole, like there's a lot of pain, but we always have a choice in what direction we're going to go. And it's like, I'm hearing you say that you believe that there's an opportunity for us to go when we get to that fork in the road, to go in the way that's going to bring us closer to truth, to peace, to wholeness for all of us. Like I, I do think that there's a choice <laughs> like, yeah. and everyone gets to make every single one of us gets to make that choice. And I find that to be 
very empowering, especially with the tools that we've just talked about, which is, it's always this. I feel like we've come, we come to this on the podcast all (laughs) the time. It's always like when you feel something, that's actually when you can kind of let it, let it go. You can't let it go when you don't feel it. You're just stuck in the dance with it until you finally let it in essentially. Yes. So, and not, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say too, because I think this can be very helpful as like a, you know, as a picture and an analogy for people to take in. Like you said, when we get to the fork in the road, we are in that fork in the road right now. Mm-hmm. And I think we, we tend to think like, when it comes to me making that choice, what am I, what am I going to do? Or like, what will I do when it, things get so bad? We can't wait until things get that bad. We mm-hmm. have to start acting now. But I think many times where people are so afraid of the word activism or like climate change, anything climate change related, because we feel like it's such a huge issue. Like, where do we even start? What do I even do? It, it's what I'm doing enough. And how I like to see it is like, we are here to take a road trip together and we all are driving to the same destination. We don't really know exactly what that destination is. We have a, maybe we've seen a picture and like, oh, I've heard about this place. It's supposed to be awesome, but we don't know until we get there. We have no idea how long it's going to take us to get there. We don't know what's going to show up in the way. Are we going to have to reroute ourselves? When do we have to stop and pee and like fuel up? And like all the things that happen on a road trip, similar, that's exactly what happens with this work that we're here to do. And there are a few things that are really important to remember um, about a road trip. One is that the fun starts right now. You know, you don't wait until you get to the destination to have fun on a road trip. You put some music on, you have some snacks in the car and you're like, okay, I'm yeah. rock and rolling, baby. Like, this is awesome. So we got to have fun while we'll do this. Yeah. This is our life's work. Like we can't wait until like one day in the future, we'll figure out climate change. I'm going to live my life and everything's going to be awesome. Um, no, we have to have fun doing it now. And then also we're doing it in community with others. So have some friends in your car so you can take time driving because there will be days you wake up and I'm like, I am not in a position today to change the world. And that's totally fine, right? Like we have to take, give ourselves a break sometimes. We have to make mistakes. That's totally fine. And then also, how do we take care of ourselves? If we run out of fuel, we're not going to keep going, right? So like, how do we really treat our and nourish our bodies as this awesome race car that we can drive really fast with and have really fun times in? So it's just a reminder of like the work is happening right now. You can take the first step right now. You don't have to know the whole way there. We'll figure it out. We have GPS. We can reroute ourselves. We have to, we can make mistakes and like learn and, and do something different. So it's just like committing to it. That's what I'm trying to say. Commit to be the person who wants to be part of co-creating a new world. And that needs to happen now. Mm-hmm. Okay. So can you talk a little bit about practical ways that people can do this in their everyday life because this yeah. ties back to our how we started with this conversation which is like like committing sounds great being like starting now sounds great but those words i think can also be the next people step that people i think usually jump to is like okay but what do i do and how do i do it and is it going to be hard i love what you said earlier about how so much of making change is a focus on everything that we're doing wrong and that we have to cut out of our lives and it makes our lives feel like we have to just be without, 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 like means, and it's going to be this long, grueling. It's like diet culture, but for the earth, right? Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't work. We just rebound and then we're <laughs> binge eating pretzels totally. and Oreos. Yeah. yeah. And that whole time in diet culture, you're like miserable and you're just, um, what's the word? Like depriving yourself of any real kind of enjoyment. And so 
I want to talk about like the nitty gritty details of like, what are your thoughts on how people can start now mm-hmm. in practical, sustainable ways? Yeah. I'm going to give yeah. the most practical answer I can possibly give <laughs> with this, this question that's so big. Um, because I, I, I don't like to give like, do this now when you're on your way, because it depends on who you are, where you live, what your situation looks like. I always start by saying, slow down. I think that's the first thing we can do. And I love to live my life in questions. Um, I find so much joy in that. And it's like, you know, I think we have to come from a place of like, it's okay to be wrong. I've been wrong. It's totally fine. I mean, oh my God, myself personally, I've been wrong so many times in my life. And I preach that wrongness with passion. I'm like, we need to do this. And I'm like, oh, no, that wasn't the thing. So like, (laughs) it's understanding that everyone's been wrong. And like, we live in a society that's built the wrong way. So that's totally fine. Like, stop pointing fingers or feeling shame because we are who we are and we live in the world that we live in. Um, But what you just said, I, I mean, for me, my journey started when I realized change was a good thing. I used to resist change with passion. I was like, no, I need to know exactly what's going on. I want to be in control. I have everything planned out. And like, that was, you know, the thing I stuck to. And then I started playing, I actually read a quote uh, on my Instagram many years ago that said, keep some room in your heart for the unimaginable. And that flipped my world. And I'm like, okay, what else is possible? If I just open myself up to like inviting that unimaginable into my life, what could my life look like? And so just coming from a place of like, what else? Like, how could things be even better? Maybe it's not about sacrificing. Maybe it's just about trying something different. Maybe having less clothes is actually bringing more value. Maybe doing less things is actually giving me more peace of mind. It's like kind of playing with words and having fun doing that. I know I'm not being super concrete, but since it really depends on who you are and where you live and what your life looks like, I would start with like every single day, a meditative moment of like, how can I be a little different today? It's not about what am I doing, but who am I being? Like, who is the person mm. I show up as in the world? Um, how am I cr- changing that identity of the, of the collective identity, right? Because, and then also I, I do wanna, I, I can give some examples of individual actions we, actions we can do because people tend to ask like, do they matter? You know, it's all about corporations and policies and like mm-hmm. bigger things. Mm-hmm. So who am I as this small fish in a huge pond to make a difference? Yeah, but- I, want, I want to get to those things too. And I, but I am struck by your answer. So okay, I think your answer is beautiful in that it's simple and it's probably, yeah, it's not like the, it's not, what it's not what I thought you were going to say, right? It's like this mm-hmm. idea of like, well, let's just keep it simple because I do actually believe that there is a very direct connection between slowing down and not having to effort to make a change in the world, but it, it happens more naturally when you, it's just, it's effortless actually. When you're slowing down, you just become more aware of how you're feeling and your senses. It's like, and it's, so it's the natural, beautiful byproduct, like living maybe more in line with the earth or having a more, whatever so many different ways that that can show up in your life and that's beautiful but that's also a big ask <laughs> that's that's like a that, people struggle with that like the idea yeah. of like slowing down I think some people for some people that that's like yes that that is the medicine that I need and I think for some people are like oh but I actually want like the what are like three tangible things mm-hmm. do you know what I mean so I think it is like you said depending on on who you are and ultimately I think we probably need all of I would say I'll speak for myself I'll benefit from both. I'll benefit from the slowing down. And I'm not going to lie. I like sometimes the concrete sort of like things that I know that will make an impact. Yeah. Before we get to the concrete though, sorry, I I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead. Or so before I get to the concrete though, I am really struck with this idea of who you're 
being as the starting point and like tuning in on a regular basis that's sort of like who am I going to be today in relationship to the earth because uh everything starts with who we're being right like and and if if it's only if your commitment to stop buying paper plates, this is just an example, like is coming from an efforting that's not you're aligned with who you're being, eventually you're going to be exhausted by dishes and you're going to just throw the paper plates back in the, in the basket, right? Like if it doesn't come like, yes, like, I don't know, my personal philosophy is like habits change us gradually, but who we're being actually drives everything. So habits can shift who we're being eventually, but it, it's still about who we're being. And, and I wonder if this idea of slowing down is actually more simple, which is that it's not being slow, but it's slowing down, which is like, what's one step you can take right now that's like slower rather than having this perfected place in your mind of like well this is the slowed down life and it's in Maine with my chickens and but like again maybe that's just putting more things up on a pedestal but I don't know I'm really struck by this idea that's basically feels in very line with our podcast and which is like who you are spiritually who you are personally who you are emotionally who you are in relation to the earth it's all the same thing and if you're living this like chaotic life that's outside of your relationship to the universe and the divine it's going to show up in your life with the earth and like Mm -hmm. and i think they all they fuel each other too because like you said your habits create who you are and and i'll give some concrete examples of things you can do but like part of slowing down for me is like not living in the woods although i love that lifestyle too i mean i'm someone who i'm an aries so i'm like go 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 and this morning yeah. my friend is like let's meditate for 45 minutes i'm like 45 minutes i don't know you know it's like okay i can do that you know like i'm i'm someone too who like really needs to practice slowing down um but for me it's like the slowing down can be like okay i'm in the grocery store instead of just grabbing what i always buy what could be the more conscious choice right now like what's something else I could buy and try that instead you know it's it's about like seeing things like being more aware oh here's a lady who needs help over the street like such a cliche example but like can I be the person who helps this lady over the street or am I too busy to do that you know it's like actually inviting slowness into the small moments in your life it's not about completely changing your lifestyle um and I think also but by doing certain things it's it starts to really you know show up as who you are in the world because it creates identity and again like back to identity I once I and I it's so funny I go back to my Instagram feed sometimes and I'm like whoa I was the one who went to a coffee shop and like bought a coffee and you know like now I not with COVID but I, I now I'm the person who always bring my own coffee cup because that's mm. part of me for slowing down like if I haven't bought my own coffee cup I don't have to buy coffee out like it's fine I can skip it because I don't want to contribute to that waste um, but it was a time when I wasn't that person so but, you know, it's like as you start mm. to implement those small habits, it's like now I am this person who brings my own coffee cup or I bring my own water bottle because I can't run out of water because I go crazy. <laughs> you know, like I don't want to be in a situation where I now have to go in and buy a plastic water bottle. Um, so it starts to like really become lay natural. the groundwork for who you are. Right. And like yeah. and then that's just who I am. So I, that's going to show up in how I, you know, how I communicate with people. Like, what do I believe is possible? And what do I tell other people? Like, 
how do I vote in the next election? And I think, I think it's like, it, it happens so slowly where the small things that we do start to really build a different character. And that's the person you show up as. And that mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times I've had people come to me and say, I just want to let you know that you said something years ago, or I saw you this one time you had brought your own cup. And, and now like, it's really started, like it planted a seed in my, in, in me. And now I'm the person who grows my own vegetables and I always bring my own bags. And I'm like, really? Like I could never guess. And they're like, yeah, you changed my life. And I'm like, I didn't even talk to you, you know? So like by just doing these small things, we are planting seeds and we are shifting the norm and the identity of, of the, of the collective. So, and to give you some concrete examples, um, if you want me to. Yeah. yeah. But, so, but I do want to say, so I, I okay. love what you're saying about, I do think that that's true because I've also experienced that in my own life, which is that this change doesn't have to be a grind or like a hustle. I do believe based, you know, on what you both have said that being is the slowing down can like allows for the being. And I think the beingness is what allows for these changes to happen really organically to the point where you look back on your life and you're like, Oh, that has changed a lot, but I didn't like, it wasn't this like intense, like need. it just happened because you were more in tune with what felt right to you or like mm-hmm. what you wanted to do in that moment. So I do want to offer that. Yes. I, I just think it's so good to hear you say that, that, cause that feels very optimistic too, to me. It's like this understanding of yeah. like, oh yeah, this change can be, it can be easier than we think that it is. It can be natural. It can be organic. And that's feels so wonderful. Um, but yes, the reason I think I also want the concrete ideas is because like, so I'm someone who, I think recycling is a perfect example for me. I try to be really thoughtful about recycling. And I'm always like, is this even doing anything? Because research has says recycling is basically pointless and it like doesn't really help. Oh, yes. And and I'm like, so those are the things where I become like, that's when I think, I love what you said also in the beginning, like once you know more, you do less. I was like, whoa, that's really fascinating. But I think that can be true because I'm like, is if this isn't even helping, then like, I feel very defeated. And I feel like if I can't even recycle and have that be helpful, I'm just like, what's the point? Yeah, I know. I, I'm such a, I, I, I used to be the recycling cup amongst my friends. I would be like, go and like, tell them like, that's in the wrong bin. And you have to like <laughs> rinse this properly. So I know exactly where you're coming from. And then my world slipped and I'm like, oh, recycling is a myth. You know, like this is not happening. It's not a myth. It's still better to recycle than not recycle. But there also is this thing of wish cycling where you think something is properly recyclable. So you put it in the bin and then you end up ruining the whole batch. So like mm-hmm. if you're not hundred percent sure you can recycle it, just throw it in the trash, unfortunately, because it's better to give the things that can be recycled a chance to get recycled mm-hmm. and there can't be any food scraps. So you kind of have to want to run it through the dishwasher first. I know it's yeah. silly, but like wash yeah. it out as you would with a dish. Um, I would say, obviously since recycling isn't the answer there has to be legislations you know we have to really push for companies i think there should be a plastic tax like it should be Mm. really freaking expensive to use plastic for example because that's why you use plastic i was thinking sorry just the other day i was like thinking about how there's one peanut butter company that i like that has glass jars and then everyone else plastic and i always i found myself literally feeling indulgent buying the glass jar peanut butter because my brain so associates like like just like subconscious snap like oh like 
that's the fancy peanut butter. And can we afford it? Is that in the budget? Even though they like cost like two cents different, mm-hmm. right? But my brain is like, plastic's affordable. Glass, ooh, mm-hmm. you're a big shot. <laughs> so yeah yeah, I'm here for this plastic tax (laughs) yeah like let's make it really expensive and like it shouldn't be where I have to specifically ask a coffee shop like do not give me utensils I'm bringing this home and eating it with my own like please you know they should have to like really think twice if not three times before like giving away something that's plastic um so that for me is something I think we should all push for or like just ban plastic altogether hold on wait Um, I would love to can I answer is this like a possibility so let's like and this is where it gets fun to talk about possibility, right? Is this something that's on the table? This, the possibility of plastic tax? That would be so You know, it's one of those things where I'll be wanting to like, I'll, I'll be wanting to, to get it to the table for a long time. So if anyone listening, it's like, I know of something going on. Like, please contact me because we should all back it. Um, there's a lot of, you know, bills being passed on if, in, in the realm of plastic right now. I think the difficulty is that the companies are pushing back because- fossil fuel companies do not want this to happen. Well, yeah, because obviously. I'm also curious, like, so how would that affect, again, we're just playing around with ideas. I don't expect you to have all mm-hmm. the answers, but like, how would that affect, does that make products more expensive? And then does that make it harder for low-income families to afford things that they're used to buying? Like, I guess my question is, how would yeah. that work? How would that work? Well, I mean, it's similar to like the electrical car and, and stuff. Like there is different kinds of materials that could be sponsored or like brought to the table that if we start producing them on high demand, they're going to get cheaper. Mm. Um, but they haven't, it hasn't been in the interest of the plastic industry to do that for many reasons, right? Also because they're not as clear. So they think the consumer is not going to want to buy the Coke that comes in like a slightly dimmed bottle. It's like, who cares? It's the same product, you know? Mm-hmm, so like mm-hmm. those simple mindset shifts. Um, oh, I mean, it's so lobbying. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, which is also why everyone should clean up their money story so we all can write big fat fucking checks so that we don't have to be the disempowered, <laughs> yes. like, oh, if only wringing our hands. Like, go make money, people who care. Mm-hmm. Stop Thank thinking it's you. evil to make money because that's how we make everyone change. Go read book. We should all be millionaires. We should talk about this. Oh, have you read it? Where you put your money matters. Wait. I have, oh, yeah, my. I just got it. So I'm like two chapters in and I'm obsessed and I bought like five copies yeah I, I have one too actually I have it like I have it right here but I have not dug into it yet we should all be millionaires mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, we're, people should sign up for one-on-one coaching with me because I think I'm buying this for literally every client <laughs> from here on out okay I hijacked your practical tips Andrew, no, no, but no, I, just, no, that's awesome. I just think it's a perfect example of like we have all of this conditioning that rich people are assholes and I don't want to be an asshole so I'm gonna like stay small and not ask for a lot of money and like be okay with table scraps financially. And that means that we can't then go and fuck shit up and change the world and get everyone to, mm-hmm. you know, change. Mm-hmm. So change also requires <laughs> like fully accessing your power. Okay. I'm actually sweating a little bit, guys. I know <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm so happy we're having this conversation. It's my friend who I'm staying with. We two are just like, we need to get rich because we're going to change the world. And it's so important. So thank you for just uh, noting that. Um, But yeah, I mean, before we leave the plastic, I just want to say if anyone hasn't seen the story of plastic, I would highly recommend it because you truly understand the industry and what it's doing to us. And it's not the fault of the consumer. They try to make us feel like it's our fault that we are not properly recycling or managing waste properly. There is no right way to do this. There is no mm-hmm. system to manage this properly. Like we can't do it. They are the ones producing these products, putting products in these products and these packaging. We have no choice but to buy them. And there is no way of taking care of it. So like 
it's not our fault that there is there's going to be more plastic than fish in the ocean by 2050 it's not our fault you know it's mm. the companies and so i think bringing that awareness to the table of like we can try to recycle as best we can but it's so much bigger than that and this is not to overwhelm someone but to actually give yourself a break of like I can be better and more thoughtful because it's going to, you know, fuel my identity and the character I'm building here. But I also need to give myself a break because it's impo- it's impossible to be perfect. Uh, with that said, I will I would try to like reduce, reuse, recycle mm-hmm. um, in that order or repurpose. Yeah. So like if you go to a store, can you buy the same or a similar product in um, aluminum or glass because aluminum can be recycled over and over and over again in for infinity versus plastic that can be recycled maybe once if even and then it's not even good anymore so the idea that we can recycle plastic is a myth um kind of and yeah, that's um, good to know and i and i also yeah. agree that it is empowering to know that um there's a lot of like weird shame that i think people yeah. feel about all of this and it's helpful to recognize that yeah it's not it really, I mean, I don't want to not, I want I also don't want to be like, oh, it's not our fault. It's not our problem and not take onus for what we can be responsible for, but it is really a systemic issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> also, I love what you're pointing out because for a practical tip, like, I mean, how often are you standing at a, you know, sandwich shop and you want something to drink and there's cans of seltzer water and there's bottles of seltzer water. And like, it's actually, that's a super, it's a cans of, the can of water is probably cheaper anyway. Right. And so here you are, you know, very knowledgeable figure saying, buy the can, leave the bottle. Yes. Yes. (laughs) You know, that's something you can do. Yeah. No sweat, you know, (laughs) no sacrifice required. No, it really is down to like, you know, being more conscious and that's back to slowing down. If you slow down and say like, hang on a second, I just learned on a podcast that it's easier to recycle cans over a bottle. So I'm going to get the can and that's consumer demand. And we can just go, go to any grocery store. Like there's organic foods in almost every store these days. I know there are food deserts out there, unfortunately, but there was a day when it was really hard to find anything organic. So like there is power in consumer demand, tremendous Mm -hmm. power. Mm -hmm. Um, to add on another concrete thing, I always say try to compost your food. Food waste is such a huge issue. And I'm always like, for many reasons, composting, you're making a tremendous difference just by not putting it in landfills where it'll end up and create methane for someone who doesn't know. Um, and also by composting, you actually reinsert yourself into the cycle of life. And I think we are so detached from the cycle of life where that's why something can, some pesky feel so confused. But by having a composting pile or a machine, there's so many like fancy stuff these days and you start creating soil in your own home from the was something that used to be waste, you're like, wow, this was my waste. And now it's new life. And I can give life to a plant that I have. And so you start to see like how we as humans can actually be part of the solution and not just a problem. So I think like composting is such a beautiful and exciting and fun thing to do. Um, yeah. I just want to chime in and say, I, for for people we've talked we've actually talked about, I think I shared composting as my joy one time because- Yeah, I, you did. Because I think- <laughs> I just wanted for people who are listening who who are like, okay, yeah, that's like one thing I can do. I just want to say it's also fun. I think it's really, I know it's so dumb. I don't know even why I think it's fun, but it's just fun. And it makes your regular trash. Honestly, it's like, it's an improvement. It's not, I don't consider it a hassle. I'm like, oh, this is, I prefer this over regular trash because now my trash doesn't ever smell anymore. Cause you know how garbage gets like stinky and gross. It just, that just doesn't happen. It just, it's not a problem. Which is okay. Can I ask a practical tip? 
which is I've been wanting to compost forever. I lived in a city that had a very serious rat problem. Like they literally issued new trash cans for everyone in the city of Somerville while I lived there because it was so gross. Uh, so I did not compost there. I no longer live in that city and they got their rat problem under control. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, it's like composting lives on my list of things that I need to like research and figure out. So if I wanted tomorrow to start composting and live in the suburbs, so there, and like, I have a woodchuck in my garage. So like, I don't know, I have like some awareness of like not wanting creatures in it. What do we need to know to like get started? I mean, I'm not a composting expert. No. I'm just someone who's like, I love it. There are different ways. I mean, I've been lucky to live in San Francisco, New York. They both had like farmer's markets that I can just drop my compost at. Um, mm. The past year I've had actually just a pile outside the house, which is so easy to just go drop it and like see it, you know, become soil. Um, you, mean like in there, your, you mean like in your garden, you just drop it in your, like. Yeah, it- right. And then you put leaves on it. So like, you know, there's a process to it, but like, yeah. me, like I live in the countryside of Massachusetts. So it was easy to just have it. You don't want to attract wild animals, but mm-hmm. you don't have to have it contained. So I'm saying like, it can be an yeah. actual just pile. Um, but there are like all, all, all things from like worm boxes um that i know a friend of mine has that's really cool and then there's these like really fancy machines too um one is called what's it called food cycler so it Uh doesn't create soil but it it, it creates nutrients so you can Uh add as a nutrient to your plants um but yeah it's like a fancy machine you have in your kitchen if you want to be that fancy and it just put food in it and it turns into nutrients or what about maybe like um so the way that i do is i I, there's a company in my neighborhood that picks up composting so they pick it up Mm -hmm. you could so i'm so maybe you could google yeah that would probably be the easiest to be like can someone else just come pick it up for me and all you have to do is community garden or something you know like there could be something yeah but but like as a busy mom of two like it'd be the easiest it's nice if you can just like get it picked up you know you don't have to like bring your compost anywhere um although there is a part of me that this may be perfectionist, but i like love the idea of involving my kids in it and being like look this was like our watermelon rind and now mm-hmm. it's soil or whatever mm-hmm. I but, okay. the, wor- the worm box i think that would be cool for the kids that sounds very cool i'm gonna yeah. look this up yeah. okay. okay thank you but can i also say one more I thing feel about myself composting. being like it's been on my list right this is, i think a good example of like i think where the very topics you're talking about, you know, this kind of existential dread and confusion and overwhelm shows up where for years I've been like, I really should compost. I should compost. I should compost. And there's like some shame that I haven't done it yet. And some overwhelm because it's like, well, I should compost the best possible way. And meanwhile, I'm not participating. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like another thing that I'm recognizing in this moment is um, like raising my hand more often, right? Rather mm-hmm. than figure, thinking like I have to figure it out all alone, which is listeners, you may have clocked the same thing I said about manifestation. Just keep learning the same damn lessons over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But this yep. is like a helpful realization of like, oh, if I'm confused about compost, maybe go find a friend who knows and ask them instead of continuing to be confused. So yeah, thanks for that lesson. And sorry, I'm really, I'm really stoked on composting. So I will say one more thing. Um, so I'm moving to Portland, Oregon, where they compost the government, like the the government, the city composts, which I'm like, mm-hmm. yes, I understand that Portland is a very liberal place, but it gives me hope that that could be a possibility for, you know, maybe all of America. And also other countries are already doing this, like in Taiwan, they've been composting, like the government has mandated composting since forever, I guess, actually, wow. for, for as long as yeah. I have been That's a kid. so awesome. That's so, so awesome. So I do think it's wow. a poss- possibility. 
Yeah. yeah. Ooh, I'm getting like all tingly. I think this is also <laughs> this whole idea. Optimism, you know? <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> I'm feeling it. I am feeling it. Okay, so car- carry on. We're like we're two of your practical tips in and we're <laughs> going out all okay. the rabbit holes. <laughs> um, well, let's just cover quickly um, about fashion because I feel like, you know, there's this really easy everyday activism. You get dressed every morning, hopefully. I mean, unless you're <laughs> somewhere where you don't have to. Lucky you. But you need to get dressed. And so like, that's just this act of like, what am I wearing? Um, and, and is this like a bodysuit of my values that I stand for? Um, and it can be hard when you just start out to know what those values are, but just a little bit of research into like who made my clothes, whether ethically made, how long, how far they've been shipped, what's the materials. I mean, most of our clothes today, unfortunately, is polyester, which is oil. Again, back to like, you know, giving powers at all companies. Um, and they shed a lot of microplastics when we wash them. They're actually really not good for our skin because we absorb them too. And oh. there are like lots of toxins in them. Um, so trying to like seek out natural fibers as much as possible, sustainably made clothes. And I know it's hard, it's, it's a jungle out there. And unfortunately there are no real directions on like what's sustainable or not. I really highly recommend Remake, remake.world and their brand directory because they really vet all the brands that they don't get paid for it either. So it's very transparent. Um, or the good on you app, which is another really good app. So you can kind of like look things up. Um, but just being more conscious of like, how much do I really need in my closet? Like, let's be real. Um, and then, you know, how much can I buy something secondhand? I think it's super cool to vintage shop. I buy most of my clothes that way. Um, you can do clothing swaps. It's really fun, especially now when like we're getting back to some sort of normalcy. We can maybe have parties again soon, like bring together some friends and like everyone gets to bring a few items they're no longer, you know, using. And you do have, maybe you have some wine or kombucha, whatever you fancy, and you do a clothing swap. Like, oh, I'll have this one. And I've done it. It's so fun. And like some of my favorite items have come from these clothing swaps. So I think fashion is another really good way to making it fun and accessible and empowering mm-hmm. because it's something you wear every single day. Um, I would say a big one we don't often talk about is money. Um, as you get like money, let's talk about it. And, you know, most of us don't know that the, the bank that we put our money in is actually doing stuff with our money and many times they're funding fossil fuel companies um, and projects mm-hmm. with the money we, that we just have you know kind of dormant that we think is dormant but it's actually out doing stuff so being more aware of like what's my my bank you know what's what, what are they supporting um what am i investing my money into there's a lot of power there's a lot of like the divesting going around um jane fonda with her Fidral fridays is really about like you know, defunding the fossil fuel movement and there's like stop the money pipeline, like all these different like taglines out there. Um, And it's really powerful because they get funding, you know, from the government and from Mm -hmm. banks to continue literally fueling climate change. So like your money could be out there doing some dirty work and here you are trying to recycle properly and like you have no idea that like just by having money in a bank, it's out there you know, making a lot of damage. Okay, so So. this is really, okay, because this makes a lot of sense. So my my boyfriend, Adam, was talking about, because um, there are banks out there. He was he was suggesting that we join this other bank. I can't remember the name of it, but it's all online. You can still get your money out of like ATMs, but he was talking specifically about because that way we won't be supporting like fossil fuel. And I was like, I did not understand. I was like, how does me mm-hmm. going to Chase Bank, like I have anything to do with the environment? So now you're like helping me make sense. So that could also be an option, right? Like doing mm-hmm. like, working with these online banks instead of yeah and some of them i mean not to name drop but i will name drop i personally have amalgamated because i would mm-hmm. i would love to have bank of the west um but they only operate right so far in the western states mm-hmm. but um also like credit unions usually are better mm-hmm. um 
and and I think if the smaller the bank, you can actually talk to them and say like, I, this is what my, I want my money to go to. So you have more, you know, consumer power that way. Mm. Um, but yeah, unfortunately, Chase is like the worst bank in Oh damn. damn it! Yeah, yeah there's, there's a report out there. I can I can send it to you guys. You can link it in the show notes. No, oh, I believe it's it. It's really okay. transparent about Wait, like where does the money going to? Hold and, on, I don't. Understand. What's the connection with banks and and I don't? How did that happen? I don't know if you know this. That's probably like a big old history question well, right there. But like <laughs> that just. Why does my money in a bank? That just blows my mind. I know. Well, because, you know, here's how a bank works. And I'm not, you know, anywhere a financial ex- expert, but like you tell the bank, like, hey, can I have my money with you? And so they, they're borrowing money from you, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're putting your money in their bank. Mm-hmm. And then someone else comes like, oh, I need to buy a house. Can I borrow money from the bank? Mm-hmm. And so your money isn't, isn't in like a vault somewhere. Like it's <laughs> out there doing stuff, like funding something else where yeah, you're yeah. waiting for them to give you your money back. And these big companies say, we need to drill for more oil in the Arctic and I need money to fund this project. And they go to the big mm-hmm. bank to say, can you give us money? And so, oh, you know, and so what see. you're looking at is like what banks are giving out these loans. Uh, and it's a lot of pension funds too. Um, I just learned that the, the New York State Pension Fund is actually the most progressive in terms of climate action. Um, oh, and looking into like the companies they're investing in uh, on behalf of, you know, all the workers. So it's becoming much more, transparent and mm-hmm. there's this like movement called fund net zero or something the race to net zero um and they're really looking into like what are the financials behind this mm-hmm. um but yeah i think knowing i mean since money is such a spiritual thing too and i, I assume you talk a lot about that like understanding that my like, where i have my money where my money's going towards like in things i buy but also like what am i investing into like what do i i'm investing in like female run companies and 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 really cool ideas of new products that can change the market space? Or am I just putting it out there to these giants that don't really need more money and that's like killing our planet yeah. you know, on behalf of me? So, yeah. What was the well, thing that you Chase, you have a great app, but. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> You've got a lot of locations, but but you know what? I, I actually do, appre- I, I appreciate knowing. I like, yeah. I'm like, I don't, I don't like being in the dark. And so this does yeah. feel empowering to me because I'm just like, uh, uh, I don't know. I think information is power. So, and also this feels like something that's like, okay, so for one day, it's going to be a big pain in the ass, right? Like there's going to be like maybe two days of like administrative shit. That's going to be kind of annoying. And then like, and then I don't have to do anything else. Right. right. Like, whereas like every single time I have to rinse out my yogurt container, I'm like, Oh, exactly. this is so annoying. <laughs> and like, and this- right. Right. And this might speak for like recycling for 10 years. You know, it's like the kind of impact you can have in just changing your bank. Yeah. 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 And, and for every, for every person that does, let's just say hypothetically go to another bank, like this uh, bank of the West you said, what was the other bank that you use? Or what's uh, the one that- um, amalgamated? Amalgamated. Okay. Well, anyway, my point is again, in there is that consumer power. I like being like, the fact that I'm going to intentionally like take my money out of Chase and go use another small bank is a huge, I think, to say, I don't want my money to be doing that. I'm making a statement with mm-hmm. my voice and my actions. Yeah. And the more people doing that, um, that's going to also make a statement. There's a, uh, an organization that I have to actually name up too, is Women Power Our Planet. And their goal is to have, I don't know how many women, but like a lot of women doing that, you know, because if a lot of women suddenly just take their money out of the, the bank and put it elsewhere, that's going to make a real statement. Um, so yeah, I love that. Mm -hmm. It's also an, I think this is helpful too, because I've never heard this before. And it's an example of like, 
which I mean, it's, I'm on me for not doing my research. I, I'm not saying that, but I think it's an example of how we feel powerless and we feel like our option is like recycle the yoga container or don't recycle the yoga container. Right. And so I feel like, you know, what you're offering, what you're, you know, you're, um, if you can get out of the trap of feeling like you don't have any options, you can look up and this does feel like something that has a really big, actually has a really big impact, especially as you look forward to think of like, oh, if I got a mortgage, where would I get my mortgage from? Or mm -hmm. like, open up, you know, savings account for my kids. Like there's ways that this, these things have, have ripple effects again, without actually relying on sacrifice. And that I think it's like your whole idea of climate optimism that just feels very liberating and, and makes a lot of sense. So I'm, I'm feeling it. <laughs> yeah. And also like, and, and like, so that's one part of the spectrum, right? Like let's stop funding the shit, basically mm -hmm. lack of better words. And then what do I want to fund my money into? And like right now I'm super excited about kelp and ocean restoration and like the oceans need our help so much, but like something so simple as kelp, it takes, you know, it grows like a meter per day or something, or it's like, it's crazy. It's super rich in protein by just growing kelp. You reinvite all the marine life in that area. So like you can nourish a whole part of the ocean by just growing kelp. It doesn't take up any land space, obviously. It needs no fertilizer, nothing. It's really easy to harvest. And there are companies right now, like they're starting kelp burgers and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's like invest mm -hmm. in these companies, like help them create an awesome, healthy product for the people. And in doing so, restore the oceans because right now we're killing the oceans and we get 50% of our oxygen from the ocean. So we need it, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, there's so many things where like, we still looking into the solutions like, wow, there's a financial ben benefit for me to, to invest in these things. And at the same time, I'm helping to restore the climate. So like, there is a win-win solution. And once we start to look into those little hidden rooms, you realize mm -hmm. I can empower women. I can empower new businesses. I can you know, empower myself and my finances. I can get in control in the things I want to, like the, the energy that I put towards my money. And in doing so, I'm part of the solution. I'm co-creating a new world. Mm -hmm. and, yeah. and, and when you open up that mindset of like, there are so many things we can do. So let's start doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, I want to, I want to, declare on this podcast uh, that I want, and I want to use this podcast to hold me quote unquote accountable that I fully intend to, because we've already had this conversation with me and my partner to change my bank to another bank. And I also want to say, I'm not going to give myself a timeline, like to go back to this idea of like also being kind and gentle and realistic with ourselves. Cause I can feel it right now. I'm like, yes, I'm excited. I'm going to go do this. And then yeah. I might not go do And then I'm going to have to get out of this podcast. I'm going to like go eat dinner. And then I, you know, li life mm -hmm. will catch up with me and I may not do it right away, but I don't want to have that shame story of like, oh, I fucked up or I failed. I'm giving myself mm. full permission to be like, this could take me months. I may not get to this. I don't know when I'm going to get to this, but I just want to set an example of like, this is an intention that I have, but I'm going to do it in that way that we were talking about, which is with kindness. I don't want to have to feel shame around it if I don't get to it. And I think actually the like shame. Yeah. Removing the shame is what's going to actually allow me to do it eventually. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I kind of want to say something that maybe sounds silly, but like 
shame serves fossil fuel <laughs> right <laughs> like all shame does is it reinforces whatever the existing paradigm that's keeping you trapped and stuck mm -hmm. is which mm -hmm. is capitalism which is racism and white supremacy and which colonialism is... this is what colonialism the, the, the yeah. many conversations we've had about colonialism like they benefit from our shame from and our desire us, yeah they want us to feel that way you know because if they they want to keep us stuck in like, am I recycling properly? Or like, you know, they know that we're so trapped in that prison or whatever. Mm -hmm. So they can continue doing whatever they want because we're not paying attention to what our money's doing. You know, it's like, it's such something- Because we're so busy overthinking and worrying and, and shame. And overwhelmed and, and oh shaming. And, yeah. Oh my God. No, see, I feel like I'm seeing it so clearly now that like that, us that paralyzed, like be getting paralyzed over these little details is- actually incredibly beneficial for these bigger companies who don't end up having to be super accountable for what's going on because we're all so busy thinking that we're we're at fault and like and we're not yeah oh my god that's and like, we're not at fault and what you're also offering us is we're not at fault but we're also not powerless exactly yeah the power and i can also i have a podcast actually um where i interviewed um one of the banks and it's really informative so oh really yeah i'll send it to you guys you can yeah. like listen to it again and be re-motivated okay. send it to us and we'll add it to the show notes okay great okay so then this brings me to my next question one that i i feel like i um i wrote down in my notes and i highlighted because i feel like it would be a miss if i didn't ask this question you talk about optimism in this really beautiful way at the beginning of the show and I'm wondering if you could share with us this like just from a look into your own mind this idea of you know what is possible like this idea of I love what you said earlier about just shifting from um yeah opening up your heart to a, another way of being it and I was well, someone who lives in this world if you could like play and if you could allow yourself, your imagination to be totally free and your heart to be totally open, like what do you think is possible for us, for the for generations after us? Um, I think that's a really fun and soulful area to kind of play around in. Yes, and this is an exercise I really invite anyone to do um, because it's really powerful. And, and I do start from that place of like, what if I were to, keep some room in my heart for the unimaginable like what space will I reach and I, I, I always I, I ask people to stretch it further than they think is possible like like if you were to think of yourself in five years like if you were to think of the unimaginable like where would you be and if you have any clear vision of that like stretch it further because you can't imagine this like it's so unimaginable right now because we haven't seen it yet um, but if I were to like try to reach some sort of like what would the future look like if if I believe in 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 the impossible or, or the just like whatever else is possible out there and I'm seeing like I mean I'm in a city and it's it's quiet yet noisy but it's not noisy in the way we're used to noise these days because the cars are silent like my brother has a, has an electric car and I'm like amazed but I'm like wow did you just turn the car on because I can't hear anything you know it's like it's mm -hmm. silent um and so taking away the noise we get to hear the music again and the birds and like we're re like there are birds everywhere again because they thrive because the, the rooftops are filled with greenery and there's trees everywhere. Mm. And like where we used to have 
you know, parking lots filled with cars. There are no gardens where we grow our food. And so it's not being shipped from like across the country because we're literally growing it right there. And so we have re-stabilized the microclimates. Microclimates is like this, this small cycle of climate that happens from like grass and tree and, and moisture. And in very urban areas, we don't have microclimates anymore, which is why it gets so hot in the summer or where we have, you know, crazy weather because it's just not stable anymore. And so by just re- planting trees and greenery, greenery on walls, on rooftops, so we can recreate the microclimates, which is huge. Um, so it doesn't have to be big shifts. And it's just like redesigning, and I'm seeing a squirrel running by now this week, uh, <laughs> in the middle of LA. Um, Squirrel's totally here for it. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and like, just like thinking of a world where I don't have to commute to a different, like I don't have to sit in the car and traffic for half an hour to an hour a day because you know, we, we kind of have been feeling this for COVID, right? Like, what does it look like to sometimes work from home? Or do we have to literally take myself to a physical place every single day? Or can I create more space by working less hours, being more productive, um, and then having more time over to spend with my kids and my family? So, like, the future for me is, is quieter yet louder mm -hmm. um, because it's a different kind of loud. And we also have more time to tune in. There is... You know, there's more like nutrition in the food we're growing because it's not grown with fertilizers. And I think a big part that we're missing right now, we've been trying to simplify life for so long. And I think by simplifying everything, it's how we created all the issues. And we're so detached from from everything. Like I, I'm, I'm craving to like, I just want to buy a farm. So I'm forced to have to like tend the land every single day. And I know that we, we invented industrialized farming because we were so sick of having to do that. And so we created a lot of freedom in, in simplifying life and, and inviting industrialization. But in doing so too, we now have all the anxiety and we feel like we're so lost and we're stuck in this system. So I think going a little bit back in time, inviting indigenous wisdom again, learning how to tend the land, understanding that we're part of the solution. We can also be part of the cycle of life because we have been for how long before we started living this way, right? Um, so I truly, truly believe that we can bridge technology and everything we know with indigenous wisdom and go back to like like treating nature with respect and understanding that it's just as much as part of us as anything else um we will figure out to clean the oceans from all the plastic and repurpose whatever's already been produced but also starting now and very soon hopefully stop producing shit that's just going to pollute us and kill us in the end um yeah i think it's literally just about, I mean, I'm trying to make this simple. It's not, it's a huge and complex issue. No, nope, I love it. I love, I'm, I'm, I love this vision. <laughs> I'm eating uh, yeah. this up. This feels okay, like good. medicine. Good. But like, I think we have to understand this is so complex where there is no simple answer, but it goes back to where we started this conversation of like, but let's sit with that, you know, let's be okay and comfortable in the complexity because we are complex. We are not simple. Like as human beings, we're not simple. We're complex. Mm -hmm. We have complex yeah. emotions. We have hormones if you're women, which is sometimes really annoying to having to deal with, like just learning how to be a woman and embracing what it is to be feminine. Like that is beautiful, right? Mm -hmm. So like the more power we give back to like the complexity of life, I think will invite for so many solutions. Um, and I think that future is very doable. It's not very far off. There's going to be a lot of pain coming to that place because, you know, a lot of things that we're so used to is going to have to fall. Mm -hmm. But also you can create something beautiful on a foundation that's rotten. So yeah, let's yeah. shed it out first. Yeah. Well, yeah. and also I think that it's a trade-off that yes, 
there will be some pain in which we let go of things, but also that vision of what's possible can be incredibly fueling. Like, I can't remember, actually, I don't know if I've ever heard anyone ever talk about the possibility of having a clean ocean because it's always, like you said earlier, this very fear mongering kind of like ad that you see, or like, you know, even David Attenborough, who I love, you know, on all of those nature shows, it's like, in 20 years, everything's going to be over and every, and it's, and ah, it's a disaster. And like, you know, it's just, it's always so harrowing and it really it feels despairing. And mm-hmm. I got a mo uh, for a minute there, I actually got a glimpse of like, we could have a clean ocean. Like what if we could have a clean ocean? What if mm-hmm. we could have cities that were really beautifully green and in a balanced way? That to me feels like honestly so much more, I'm much more willing to like do the work for that than this idea of like, you're already fucked. Just try to be less fucked. Yeah, totally. Yes. Oh, yeah. Thank you for saying that. Cause that's literally what climate optimism is about. It's changing the narrative so we can act from courage and excitement, not fear, right? Yeah. Fear is not going to get us there. Mm-hmm. We have to say, what else is possible? What is the future I want to create and bring closer? And how can I show up right now to make sure that happens? Yeah. <sighs> There's so much that, so much that I am being gifted in this. But I think one thing that came really clear to me is returning to this idea of slowing down that you put forward in the beginning, because as you were talking about this beautiful vision of all that is, you know, that like already exists in a future really, right? Cause there's multiple timelines. So there's the timeline in which that exists and our job is to get us onto that timeline, right? Mm-hmm. So, so um, I am coming back to this idea of slowing down because I'm thinking about like, well, when are the moments when I, buy a plastic water bottle. It's when I didn't take five seconds to find my water bottle and fill it up. Or when is the time when I'm like, just buy all the paper plates and all the plastic, I mean, I actually hate plastic, but like I do totally buy paper plates and it's because I'm, my life feels too busy, right? Like having all the kids and doing all the things and like running around. But when I invite a gentle slow slowness, and I have an Aries moon, so I also am like not actually a slow person, right? <laughs> but when I invite like a softening, then you know it 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 doesn't like. I guess what I'm trying to say is I'm observing in this conversation that like when I'm frenetic, I make consumerist based choices that are bad for the earth, mm-hmm. and when I'm a little bit calmer, then that future you're describing is closer and it's not that hard for me to like skip the plastic you know in the one instance or whatever the case may be like and also like making sense yeah I think just making doing dishes for me is such a great example of that because I actually find it very meditative and so like we tend to think like oh no I have to do the dishes but like bring your partner and say, here's the towel. I'll do the dishes. Let's chat while we're doing this. Let's put some music on, like create, you know, routine around it. Like it's a beautiful ceremony almost of like, this is a time for me to just slow down because I need to be here and make this dish dishes shiny again, you know? And it's also, I think something about like they're dirty and now they're not, you know, Mm -hmm. it's another transformation that happens that we get to be part of. And so like, 
or just throwing something out. It's like, again, just ignoring the problem. Like I'm going to put it somewhere else where I'm not seeing it anymore. And I think that's such a disempowering act that I think is making, it's going deeper than we think, you know what I'm saying? So it's inviting for that, like simplicity of like doing dishes is something empowering and meditative because I get to be part of the act of making something beautiful again. Mm. And the other thing that's coming to me is like, what am I hustling through the dishes for? Right? Like, Oh, I got to Like, I need as few dishes as possible because I got to get to the other end of the dishes. And like, if I'm not actually living with intention, the thing I'm hustling to get the other side of is to scroll freaking Facebook on my phone, right? <laughs> exactly. Like, let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> now I get relaxed because now I'm like finally done with everything. And it's just like, right. Here. Yeah. yeah. Whereas if I'm intentional about like the dishes, I'm probably listening to an audiobook or just washing them or whatever. And then when I'm done, even if I'm going to Facebook, I'm actually going to it with more intention and less of that kind of frenetic consumerist mm. need. Um, so I just am recognizing just the intersection of all of the different points, right? Because then the other piece is what you mentioned, Eva, earlier is like how decolonialism and like, you know, unlearning racism and white supremacy is like so mapped onto this vision that you're talking about of what's future, right? Like it's um, nothing separate. Yeah, I love what you said about like taking our technology and we've had, We've, we've had people on the show say this before too, but it's it's also hitting now in the context of just earth and nature and our environment. What did you say? Technology and um, ancient ways? Is that, is that, I'm not sure if that's the term that you use, but I do think that like, we're not trying to go all the way back. We're trying to create something new, which is a combination of all this beautiful new knowledge we have and also all the beautiful old knowledge we have. And I think that's really exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay, we could talk like forever. Actually, I do. I know I feel it. Too. <laughs> I do want to ask one more question though, because I, this is a self-serving question. Um, I'm about to get ready for a move, and I guess one of my biggest takeaways is also just that shame doesn't need to really be part of the equation because it's mm-hmm. fine and it doesn't help. But do you still get? Um, I guess my question is. Do you feel like you still get ever that you ever get OC? I don't know if that's a, that's like very sort of like controlling or anxious about your environmental ways. Does that still pop up for you? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Simple answer all the time. I mean, I don't know how many times I've gone to like, um, you know, some sort of, um, fast food place because I came back from a hike with my husband and I'm like, we don't need the plastic lid and they forget and they still give it to us. And he's like, just breathe, sweetie. Like, it's fine, you know? And I'm like, that's not proper recycling. And I've like, had that same conversation oh. with, I've had that same conversation with Adam. Same conversation. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So I, I, my the drama queen in me comes up for sure. And okay. it's hard. Um, and, and I think it's just coming back to like, it's an imperfect system. It's not my yeah. fault. But also, I'm not going to lie. That actually makes me feel better. There's something kind of, um, uh, I don't know. I don't know why. Maybe it's because I know that I'm not alone in that, but to say that like that will happen. Okay. Sometimes. And that, and that's okay. But also, yes, of course, it's always going to be a practice and letting go. <laughs> um, and there's an opportunity for that, but to know that I'm not alone in that, I think actually in some weird way helps me feel like I can let go a little bit more. <laughs> so Good. thank you for that. And I don't know if I have the answer. Cause sometimes I'm like, do I speak up now? Do I tell someone at this restaurant chain to like, I think there should be composting side or something, you know? And like, 
there's a place when we should just be silent, but at some point too, we got to speak up about the things we find are not right, you know? Mm -hmm. So I guess it's choosing, like, is this the time I have the energy for it? But I mean, a great example is like at restaurants, like, I mean, I'm, yeah, like, do you have something that's more plant-based and is it only meat, you know, based Mm -hmm. options on this menu? Mm -hmm. And the more people that ask that, and they might be like, okay, we have had 10 people this week ask for something plant-based. Maybe we should have something on the menu that's, you know, optional. So I think just understanding that if we come at it from the right place Mm -hmm. and we're not coming at it from shaming, it's just like, you know, just, I'm just giving and and sometimes it will be received the right way and sometimes it won't. But I think also there's something about like, we got to also have those conversations and, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and feel like we're in the place of having them. Can we have a collective conversation with Starbucks? Because I know this is so small, but this is a tiny thing that I feel like we could just make us think about and it would go away, which is everyone made us think about straws. Starbucks mostly got rid of stars and now they give you, and you don't probably know this, Anteries, because you bring your coffee, which is what we should, we will all eventually be moving towards. See how I got rid of the should. But now Starbucks, when you get a hot coffee, they put this fucking plastic stopper in the top that totally has more plastic than the straw ever did and for what reason the cup is totally fine the lid is fine there's no problem with the lid you don't need the stopper it's i know i actually yeah i blame i blame yeah i kind of blame asia for that because asia was doing that like 10 years ago and i think it like came over and it's yeah it's not (laughs) well i just want to say then actually what i've learned and i think i didn't think this had such significance calling your local electives they really listen to them and now in covid you get to a voice mail you can just leave them a voice memo and they will listen to it so like they want to hear what we have to say so we have a lot of power in just calling Mm. our politicians signing petitions actually really help too because i know a lot of organizations and they i always think like this is matter it matters so much because then they signing, have i've always i've always wondered that that like, is yeah. actually very helpful yeah. i i kind of gave up on petitions i was like this doesn't matter this is because i was think, feeling like it was like because actually one of the things that a big turning point for me with recycling was it was very empower it was depressing and then empowering when i realized how much recycling doesn't have doesn't live up to the kind of myth I'd been taught when I was in fourth grade and it made me realize like oh shit I actually had been feeling like oh I recycle therefore I'm good with the environment like me and the earth are good because I recycle and Mm -hmm. so (laughs) recognizing that recycling didn't have impact made me realize like even if it did like I have to be more responsible Mm -hmm. and um, like as a citizen of the world um and but part of that is also that I actually kind of gave up on petitions because I was like, this is this is only serving me. This is my vanity like outlet of like, oh, see, I'm a good person. So mm-hmm. it's very helpful to know. That yeah, I mean, I can just say I think it's time. It was Greenpeace who had put something out for Trader Joe's because I don't know if you shop at Trader Joe's, but they tend to have a lot of things in plastic. Mm-hmm. And and I don't know like, why. I know. And yeah. so there was a, actually a petition about this, and I think they actually committed to cutting down on plastic packaging. So, and they put out a sign. I saw a picture of like a sign on the street. Like, we, you know, you spoke, we listened. We're going to cut down mm. on how many plastic packaging we have. So like they hear us, you know, like they understand that we will ditch that story mm-hmm. unless they change. Yeah. And so, yeah, know that it, it matters. Call your local electives and, um, and sign petitions. I can't, I'm going to say, I'm, I'm shocked. Signing petitions works? I'm actually surprised. I'm starting a petition thing. about the stupid Starbucks top stopper. Yes, I'm yes, doing it. Please do. <laughs> and also I would say tweet and, and share on social media and tag people also matters. I know this um, politician in New York and he's like, we go, I go into like, you know, a meeting and I'm trying to push this bill and no one's 
no one from the public has like voiced any opinion. It's really hard for me to push the issue. But if we have like a hundred tweets saying like we really back this bill, it will have a significant difference mm. in in the room. So yeah, that too. That, that's Speaker voice on social media. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting because that makes sense to me because as we so as social media is already such an integral part of our life, I'm like it's got to play a role. Like social mm-hmm. social media, there's probably a lot of power in that since it so is. many of us spend so much time on it. So good to yeah. know. Good. Okay. <laughs> yeah. This is my favorite kind of podcast where we're really blending the practical and the spiritual, like all into this one time and, and examining the way in which the practical is deeply spiritual and the spiritual folds back to the practical. So I just feel like nourished and I've, you know, I think I've said this phrase a couple of times, like I'm feeling it like this idea of like, oh, climate optimism. Like, I feel like I understand it in an embodiment kind of way that, um, yeah, is medicine. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Yeah, and Andrew, you came here and you checked all our boxes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm done>. yeah. <sighs> all right. So does this feel like a good time for a round of joy? Let's do it. All right. Yeah. Yeah. And Therese, what is something that's bringing you joy right now? Uh, okay. Actually, this is the first thing that came to mind and it's that I am right now sharing a bed with my oldest friend um I known her since I was four and we used to have sleepovers when I was younger and right now I'm visiting her in LA we're both from Sweden and she's like you know I live in LA and I have a big bed why don't you come and see me and I've been spending way too much time with my husband the past year so I'm like I'm gonna go do that (laughs) and so just the thought that I'm like you know I'm back to like when I was five and we were having sleepovers and it was so really really close so it's like it's so much joy to just like have her in my life and to do that so I love what have you guys been doing together yeah (laughs) (laughs) well we've been you know meditating and reading each other's hair (laughs) you know we'll get to that soon anything else (laughs) Oh, that's really, really oh, sweet. I love, I that. love that. Yeah, I love that. And what about you, Kylie? What's something that's bringing you joy? So I think I mentioned earlier that I'm recording this from my parents' house in Maine. They live in rural Maine. And uh, how do I call it? Semi-rural Maine? Because once you're in Maine, you know that there's like the real sticks and that's not where they live. But compared to like <laughs> most of America, it feels like a no man's land out here. But um. I mean, first of all, seeing my family with my kids is just like so stinking cute, like Mm. mm, so cute. Um, But also uh, I love like Maine is a really incredible place. I I came, I I come up in the winter and it always reminds me why I don't live here. But when I come in the, like from like right about now until the probably end of October, it's just, Mm. there's something sacred about it up here. Like it is so beautiful. Uh, My parents have like a, you know, big plot of land. So you're kind of sitting in the backyard and you're just like, look up at this big hill with these apple trees. And, um, you know, their town has like lots of cute, like, you know, uh, it's just like a really beautiful nourishing community f- feel to it. And uh, yeah, I just like, <laughs> it's it, fitting for this podcast. Tonight before I came inside, I stood in the backyard and like looked up the hill at the sky and the apple trees. And I just like literally said, thank you to the land. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of like felt it. Like I just kind of felt the land wash over me. as like Mm -hmm. a, like, you know, you're welcome. Yeah. Um, So I just feel very, yeah. If you ever, if you feel ever, if you ever feel the pull, I would love to see you should like, like, can you take a Instagram picture story and at me? Cause I feel like Maine does sound magical and I don't know what it looks like. And I know it's such a special place for you as well. So 
if you're out there this weekend and you think to take a photo at me, yes, I'm actually leaving tomorrow, (laughs) but I have lots of nature pictures that I can send you. Oh, I would uh, love to see more of Maine. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. 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 So, so the land of Maine and also my family is bringing me joy. Mm, I love that. How about you, Eva? What's bringing you joy? Um, so, so Okay. Actually, I have two things I want to share. Um, I was already mentioning to you ladies before the show. I want to, um, one of my joys this week is artichokes because (laughs) I love artichokes, but I, this is the first time I've ever made them myself. And, um, it's one of those, I love when you have an experience where you think something's going to be hard or it feel, or you think it's going to be intimidating, but actually you do it and you realize, oh my God, it was so easy. And I love that because now I can do it forever. Steaming artichokes is so freaking easy. So if, you, mm. if you're like me and you didn't know that that was a thing, just telling you now, it's actually very easy. And I love artichokes. Um, and the second thing is actually, so we're recording this the weekend after Mother's Day. And so we actually had quite a big gathering this weekend with a bunch of people who were vaccinated. And I just got to hug people mm. like so intentionally. And I got to like, I know this is weird, but I smelled different people. Like when you hug someone, people have smells that smell like them. And I was like, holy shit. I like, I haven't experienced this in a really long time. And that was also really cool. I like went in for the hugs. I like was not shy Mm. about it. I was like, I'm going to give you a big old stinking hug. And I'm going to hold on just like a little bit longer than maybe I normally would, because this is what I've been waiting for. So that was also really nice. (laughs) Oh, that reminds me of how special that is. Yeah. 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 All right. And Therese, where can people find you, follow you? How can they work with you? Give us all the details. All the details. Well, I will actually mention that I am about to start in a climate optimist masterclass. Um, It starts in May 26. So it's almost two weeks from now. Um, so yeah, if anyone wants to dive into like, I want to, I want this, like, I want to be optimistic and I want to empower myself and I want to be part of the creating this new world and everything, what that comes with, like tools from, you know, the, the concrete every single day and the mindset shifts and everything, uh, we'll go deep. So I'm really excited. It's an eight week course. Um, so you can, um, I'll send you the link too. You can maybe link it, but it's called, we the will for Masterclass. sure. Yeah. yeah I am really excited because uh, this is going to be pretty incredible. And then you can find me on the It's my website and, um, on Instagram and Antrees Janeri, which is my name, but you can probably find me too. If you just search climate optimist, because I try to use that hashtag a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I have a podcast too, which is called Hey Change. So it's oh, more climate nerdy yeah. things and shifting the narrative around climate change and, and sustainability. So that would be my main my, my website, my Instagram, and my podcast. Awesome. Okay. And t- what is, tell us the name of the masterclass again. The Climate Optimist Masterclass. Okay. Everybody go sign up, run, do not walk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come it. to me. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun. So this is yeah, how we change the world. Up. I love it. Yeah. Yes. This is really great. I love it. Okay. Oh, thank you so thank much. You. This was such a treat. We loved having you. I, I loved being here. This was yeah. amazing. Thank you guys. Thank you for this thank podcast. You.